everybody. Welcome to our podcast. We are excited about this. I feel like I should kind of give you a little bit of background. I'm, I'm Scott. This is Pastor Dean here uh, at Fairfield Christian Church, and we are excited uh, to start this process with you. Um, this kind of came out of this whole idea that uh, during the shutdown where we weren't having gatherings at church, Dean and I started doing this Wednesday midweek connection. And it seemed to have a really good response. We put it on Facebook, and people from our church could interact and things like that. And so uh, we thought it was just a wonderful opportunity. But how do we make it just a little bit different, and how do we make it function um, fresh? And so what we decided to do was we're starting this podcast. And what it's going to be is it's going to be about a half hour each week, and and we've committed to about six to ten weeks right now to see how it goes, that we're going to be walking through the book of Daniel. And it's just going to be some conversation, um, some points, some interesting things that hopefully you'll you'll join in with us, and we'll just have some real conversation. You know, you see a lot of times the pastors get up, and, and it's a it's a monologue. It's a conversation that that is one way. Um, and we want this to just be a a you know, sitting on a couch, just having a conversation kind of thing here in this podcast studio that we've created. Thanks to Matt Wood, our youth pastor, for uh, helping us create this space. Uh, and we're really excited about what maybe God will do through this process. I enjoy the time. So, Dean, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm looking forward to it, Scott. I enjoyed so much our midweek service, midweek, what do we call it? Midweek connection. connection yeah. Yeah. I love those times, especially to be with you, and, and it's just a great format. I, I agree with you, a dialogue, and a little bit different from Sunday when you, you just see us in a different light, a little more informal, give and take. So I'm excited. And I love the book of Daniel, especially in these times. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really cool because Daniel is, is a book of prophecy, but it kind of starts off with just some stories. Right. Um, and so we're going to walk through those. Today is going to be part one of a two-part kind of introduction to Daniel chapter one. We're going to give you a little bit of the setting, give you a little bit of the backstory, give you a little bit of kind of all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's going to be two parts, and we're going to kind of, kind of try to keep each of these to about a half hour, uh, and then we'll stop, and we'll move on from there. So we're going to dive right in. So is there anything you want to say about Daniel before I we, we stop and read the first you know 21 verses in chapter 1? No, I think we'll get into it. I think uh, it's a story, obviously, where three or four young men are taken from their families in Israel and placed into the midst of a, a pagan culture. So and they stand strong, and it's a story of tremendous trial and adversity, uh, darkness. It starts out, but then great miracles happen. Uh, so where a lot of people's faith end is, is where the book of Daniel begins. And so if we're in tough times, if we're discouraged, if we're thinking the world's coming to an end, that's when the miracles can start to happen. So that's where Daniel opens up, is, is right when it's the darkest. And uh, we'll see that. And that can be encouraging because for many of us, it's a dark time uh, in, in our culture, but God wants to do great things. So, Yeah, it's it's kind of, I think, I love what you said there with this the idea of that a lot of times our faith stops when it gets dark, and that's when, when God really begins to show his, right. show his work, and it's amazing. Uh, you know, we say all the cliche things that light shines brightest in the darkness right. and so on and so forth, but it's so true. Um, and so we're going to jump right into Daniel. Uh, if you've got a Bible, feel free to join with us, read along on your phone, whatever it is. We're going to read chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, 1 through 21. Uh, so bear with me, and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and get right into this and just begin to, to conversate. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, Daniel chapter 1. I am reading from the NIV, uh, just so you know, uh, whatever version you want to read from, New Living, New American Standard. If you're old school and rock the King James, you feel free to do that, uh, but it'll sound just a little bit different. So here we go. 
In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So, 21 verses, Daniel chapter 1. Lots of stuff in there to unpack. You get kind of the history and the story and the background and all that kind of stuff. So why don't we just start there? Sure. So. Yeah, it's a story which helps, right? Like you were saying, the second part of Daniel is uh, apocalyptic. It's talking about the future. It's much harder to explain and understand. But the first six chapters are stories, familiar stories, this being uh, the first. So so much easier uh, to, to just identify with the story so it's a lot of veggie tale stories right it really is familiar to many of us yeah so but again the violence the the horror of what was going on these boys they were teen age they were 15 16 17 years old probably uh they had it had been a time when when god doesn't seem to be that attractive like he's not protecting his stuff his 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 capital city is destroyed of jerusalem his temples ransacked the things that are precious the vessels are now in the in the treasury of of babylon and the pagan god so but then in the midst of all that you got these these boys taken away from so this was one of the first waves of 
you know, they were just taking the best and the brightest. You know, they were they they were they will transplant more people later. But these are these guys would have been handsome, s- smart. Um, they they I know nothing about either of those. Things, yeah, exactly. So it was hard to identify with <laughs> yeah, this. Was, yeah, which I love because they weren't prima donnas, right? They still were men of faith. They were young men of uh, that that were fearing God and and uh, so, but they were taken away. And they still believe. They still had a strong faith. So one of the first things that stands out to me, because we're all raising kids, grandkids, people we're mentoring, and it's like, I think the ultimate test of our parenting is not what our kids are like with us, but what they're going to be like when they're away from us. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So so what do we need to do? It's got to get on the inside. It's got to be better than the world. When they finally have a chance to get out and do whatever they want, they got to choose you know, what we're mm-hmm. offering over that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. As a as a youth pastor for years, I, I would I would love that moment, that light bulb moment where it became a kid's faith. Right. They did. They, they came to church because their parents brought them to church, and that's just kind of what they did. And then all of a sudden, you'd see that light bulb go off. Right. And I know in the middle of captivity, even for Daniel and his friends, this had to be that moment where it was like, okay, what are we're gonna do? You right. know, what I mean, it's 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 kind of that whole idea. And like you said, they were 15, 16 years old. Right. Um, so it's it's amazing. I want to kind of pause though. I want to give you guys kind of some of the brief, really history of right. of the book, because um, I pulled this up the other day. Like, it's written by Daniel. Uh, Jesus accredits him in the New Testament. It, it, Daniel is writing this kind of autobiography story of himself, twelve chapters long. The, the setting is it, it all kind of took place between like six oh five and five thirty BC, so six hundred years before Jesus, uh, when when Nebuchadnezzar came in and took over. Uh, Israel and and hauled these guys off, deported them basically to Babylon, and, and kind of gave that backstory there. And so we see this that there's 70 years of captivity, and that's one of the prophecies that we're going to see in this is that Daniel finds out this is going to be a 70 year uh, type of process. And so you know Babylon defeated Egypt, and and they became the masters of the Middle East. So to give you kind of the setting, it's written by Daniel. Nine of the 12 chapters involve dreams. Um, you know, the first six are kind of stories from Daniel's experiences, and then it kind of shifts gears into more prophetic, apocalyptic, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So as we go through the next few weeks, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but getting back to the story, I love what it I love what it said about these guys. You know, you talked about they, they came from a noble family, so mm-hmm. they were royalty already, right? And the royalty had lost, <laughs> That's and right. so they got they got flipped. Um, I love that it says they were they were good looking. They were well-rounded. They were already educated. Um, they were incredibly smart guys. Um, and then they were going to spend what, three years, is what, what Daniel 1 says, three years learning everything about Babylon. So basically, they're being sent to a master's degree type of education on Babylonian culture, literature, you know, all of these kinds of things. Um, so... And the best of Babylon's all around them. We, 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 they'll give the example of the king's food, which they resist. Uh, but there's many more examples. We can think of beautiful women around them being attracted to them. The, the, the whole culture, they change their names, right? They, yeah. They, and, and, and so their Hebrew names represented God, Yahweh, Elohim. It's in the name, Daniel, Hananiah. I was always bugged by this. Yeah. Like, Daniel, nobody refers to him as Belteshazzar. Right. But nobody refers to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah as Hananiah, Michelle. They always refer to him as That's right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
and I'm like, yeah. I don't. I always thought that was just interesting. Partly because I think Daniel's just easier to say than Belteshazzar. I mean, it would not right. be the, the book of Belteshazzar just doesn't have kind of the same ring to it as the book of Daniel. But it was interesting because yeah. um, some of the stuff I was reading, Daniel, the, the name Daniel means God is my judge. Yeah. And then the name that he was given, Belteshazzar, it it means Bel protect his life. Bel being their god. Right. The Babylonian you know? god. Yeah. The Babylonian Bell. god. Yeah. So I totally get why when Daniel's writing this book. Oh no, I'm going to refer to myself as Daniel. Right. Not I don't know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually mean, what their words mean, but right. but I just it thought it represents that was, their gods, the the Bel, Aku, and Nebo are are coming out in those names. So it's the same. It's it, it's it's a pressure cooker where Babylon is trying to do a total life transformation on these boys and they just won't they won't change. They stand strong in the dark. And it's what we want for our kids. You know, we want them to finally get out in the world, be in a dorm somewhere in a godless campus, you know, with every evil thing available. And they choose God. That That's what, or they're in their apartment and uh, starting their job. And they've got all kinds of opportunity. Will they choose God then? Well, these these young boys do. They, they have all this opportunity. And, and, and even their name's trying to be changed. The literature's different. The you know, the choices of diet and, and all this, the, the values, everything they're trying to, and, and they resist. So, so the example given of the food is, you know, that's a little different. They weren't nutritionists. They, they, in that day, the law required them to eat certain food that doesn't apply to us anymore. So it's a little confusing. It's not that they care so much about vegetables. It's that that was true of their, of the law. That was the way they related. So it was a barometer of how much they believed in God. God was huge to them. So when God said, this is how you have to eat, they're going to stick with God. So I think that was representative sample, right? I mean, there are many other examples. Yeah, but, it's a yeah. very ceremonial thing. So I think right. it's important to stop, like, because, you know, you may not know, like, when we talk about certain laws in the Old Testament apply to us moving forward into the New Covenant, right. and certain laws don't, we're, a lot of them are ceremonial that are right. no longer, you know, going to the temple and, and all of those kinds of things. Right. Food was one of them. Right. And, and the, the, the Jewish diet in the Old Testament was very restrictive. Right. I mean, very restrictive because it was tied into their faith. It was tied into their right. like things like that. And so when they, yeah, the, the story is amazing when they were given the king's food. And again, keep in mind, the king got the best of everything, which included food. So like if you were eating steak, the king was eating filet. You know, if you were eating, it was excellent. you know, Choice. like, yeah, if you were eating bologna, the king was eating, you know, whatever i mean like they had the best of everything yeah. when they say the king's wine this was not like boxed wine that you pick up at meyer this was like right. vintage you know the stuff that you see people buy for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars right. so the the food i i love this story because I'm, I'm a food guy I, obviously i love to eat which is why i run because i, I love to eat and I, i'm a big fan of awesome restaurants man i love like ruth chris and, yeah. and smith and Wilensky and i mean like i i don't go there very often because well you know um I, I like to eat at home too uh, but like the food was a huge test and think about it they were 15 16 year old guys big appetites i don't know many 15 16 year old guys that don't love food like like they, they love food i've got a 12 year old at home that doesn't yeah. stop eating he, he just yeah. doesn't so and then you can extrapolate, you can go to sex because their sex drive would be the strongest at that age. They're certainly surrounded good looking guys. They're going to be surrounded by the best looking Babylonian women. And they're turning that down too at the peak of their, of their sex drive, yeah. you know, which uh, some say, some say, Oh, they were 
they think they were eunuchs and it's like that's because we can't imagine boys having self-control so we just call them eunuchs but they're they I studied that they're not they weren't eunuchs. And again, when yeah. they were allowed to. Right. Like in Babylonian culture, it would not have been looked at as bad. Oh, Whereas yeah. in Jewish culture, it was very very frowned upon, but right. in Babylonian culture, it was acceptable. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting parallel to today. Right. Uh you know, our world's culture will tell you, especially when it comes to things of of the of the sexual nature, it's okay. Yet we still adhere to the scriptures where in Hebrews it talks about the marriage bed being undefiled and, and so on and so so forth of other things like that. So it's interesting that you're right, that they were in what biblically you would say is the peak of their kind of, you know, their lifespans were not necessarily as long as ours. They they were put into work faster, faster. They were they were utilized in, in other ways. And so it is amazing to 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 think all of this. And so I love kind of what the passage talks about just a little bit with this food test. Um, and I think it's really important to, to, to stop and go, why did they, why did Daniel decide this? Um, because so often we can glorify Daniel. Daniel wasn't glorifying Daniel. He didn't want to defile himself in the scope of his faith, which I think is is huge. And so Daniel never said, well, I just think I'm going to be amazing if I just eat veggies and, and water. It was, this is what my God yeah. asked me to do. Right. And then verse 8, uh, you can put with verse 17, verse 8, where he resolved not to eat the food, goes to verse 17 where it says, and God gave them uh, knowledge and and basically exalted them above 10 times above all the wise men. They were in a school being trained to be wise men, and they excelled all, even the existing wise men, not just those in training. And you, you, you can't miss that connection. Their resolve to honor God, then his resolve to honor them in verse 17. Yeah, yeah. twice he says God gave him favor. He says he gave him favor with the, the chief of the court officials. Right. Gave him favor with that. And that guy goes, listen, dude, you're asking me not to feed you this food that the king is telling me to feed you. Yeah, you'll and, look bad. And if you look get, bad, yeah. he's not going to kill you. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. Right. And so now, do you know how much favor you have to have with somebody for them to be willing to, when we say the phrase, stick their neck out, this is literal. Yeah. He was sticking his neck out yeah, that's right. for these these prisoners, Yeah. these these refugees of war, for I mean, whatever you want to call them, these guys that he, he doesn't know them from Adam. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that you see God gave them favor. But I think that favor is directly tied to Daniel being willing to forgo the the human desire, the the human nature of it, and and give himself to what God wants him to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To him, I, I think of a God is like a great big ocean liner. So he's big either way. Even if we don't believe he's big, he's going he's going to be big in our life. So we either crash into him or we ride on the deck, you know, with the lemonade and the breeze blowing, you know. Daniel and his friends, they were riding on on the ocean liner of God. They they thought he was big and they're being blessed as a result. If we don't have that faith, we still will experience a big God. It'll just be a, you know, a crash into it. So I, I think that that's huge. They they feared God by and it was revealing their choice to not eat the food, and uh, but the big thing was like you said they're fearing God. That's that's their their respect for God. And then God was big in their life. How it turned out. Could could you imagine? Look at us. Let we talk about God giving them favor ten times better. 
Right. Flip the script. What's it feel like to be a Babylonian, seeing these guys that came in in exile, been there three years in, in seminary, Yeah. and all of a sudden they are 10 times smarter and 10 times better and 10 times yeah. more wise than yeah. me. They already start to be jealous and hate him, which is a pattern throughout the book. Yeah, which we're going we're gonna to see. Contemporaries look at them, they start to be really jealous. Yeah, they're the ones that will throw Daniel in the lion's den eventually. Yeah, they hate him, and, and they're jealous of him. But it's all coming from God. You know, it's all coming from, from God. I like Daniel's faith, too, though. Again, going back to a dark time in Israel, he, they're away from their support of their families. They're in a pressure cooker of paganism. And the culture and the limelight and the money, it's all about the wrong stuff. And and Daniel's living in the moment, trusting God. He's saying, hey, to the guard, don't worry, God will show you the difference. God will do a miracle. You feed us vegetables, we'll look back. He's trusting that God will do something. You know what I mean? Like he's in that moment with God, yeah. despite that the, the I, I love this because it's holding up what can happen. It's holding up how strong our faith can be for us, for our children, I always wonder what his parents were like, you know, or their parents, those families were like to have children like this. They must have done something right as parents. Yeah, you got to figure that. And like, and like I said, my guess is that his parents were still back in whatever city right. that, that he, he was missing taken from. Him. Yeah, missing him, Sorry, wondering if he's, if he's alive, if right. he's been put into slavery or, or, or whatever else. And, you know, Daniel is literally living the luxurious life but willing to forego that. Yeah. To he doesn't do care. Yeah, he's like whatever. He still cares about Israel even though Israel's at her worst, even though he's in Babylon at its best, he doesn't care. He's caring about Israel. So, so I I can't again I come back to that faith and I think that's what we're all asking. How do we put that faith in someone else so that it's inside them and it stays with them when they go? You know, I think it has to start with us, right? We have to have that presence we have to have that faith and then it's contagious, you know? And so, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for each one of us, I mean, you've got grown kids. Yeah. I've got, I've got younger kids, but just, you want to do things to just show them. I mean, it's, it's one thing to sit down and, and, and talk, which you should, we should, we should be doing family devotions. We should be doing time with our kids and things like that. But again, actions speak louder than words, man. Right. If your kids see you in those moments yeah. of faith, taking a step out yeah. and, and, you know, yeah. putting Are yourself you through. Daniel? Are we as parents like Daniel? We're not going to have Daniels if we're not Daniel. You know, if the world is, if, if God is better than the world for us and they see that, then that they're going to catch that. Um, but uh, I think that starts with us. You know, that we have to be the model. We have to be the contagious faith example. Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, so I mean, this is this is a great start. And so, so the story goes. He says, "Give us ten days." You know, Daniel kind of goes back and forth with the guy, and the guy goes, "Listen, you're going to have me killed if I if I don't give you this food. If you refuse to eat it, which I don't know what what he would have done, because like if Daniel had taken the food and just left it sit there, I, I, that would have probably been worse than giving him the vegetables he he asked for. But he, he says, "Okay," and Daniel goes, "Well, look, give us ten days. You know, ten days, and then test us and see." Um what that diet looks like. And and again, and Daniel's willing, I, I thought it was really interesting that Daniel's willing to submit if God doesn't come yeah. through the way he thinks he comes through. Right. Uh, which is fascinating. Cause sometimes we do think that God's going to come through in a certain way. Yeah. And he doesn't. Right. He, he always does what he wills, but a lot of times it doesn't line up. Right. With what I think is God's plan. So Daniel's not positive. He's not like, 
he's sure about something he he just really thinks so and then god can confirm it i like that yeah, yeah. i mean i think he's being led by led by the spirit i mean i right. think definitely in the sense that in the old testament sense of that but i think he goes look this is the principles i'm trying to stand on the law but i know this is a different time it is a difficult right. time and so here i don't he's not it's like he's taking care for that other guy's life right he goes listen i know i know you're in a in a position you're in a bad position um for for this so can, can we do something let's let's split the medium which i think yeah. is really interesting he goes he goes let's do it for 10 days because yeah, listen good. if you're on a diet for 10 days you can recover from that yeah. that that's not a big deal you know um but give us 10 days and let's see feed us vegetables and, and the things that we're asking for for 10 days and don't don't let us eat the the royal food stuff and if we look worse at all or i would even say even the same if we look exactly like the other guys then we'll 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 adjust, right? You know, and so he says ten days, and I think sometimes sometimes one of the best things you can be is reasonable. You know, it's an interesting thing that he's not like no this I will not eat this. You know, because right. sometimes we stand on these rocks that that we yeah. don't need to stand. And, on. and he yeah. gave space for God to to work. Yeah. He gave space for God to confirm it or not, and he did. I mean, because he felt like that's what was going to happen. So. Yeah, I like that. And I feel I feel totally guilty sometimes because I feel like sometimes I try to force God into a hole. Right. Like I go, well, God's going to do this. And I'm like, oh, God's going to do this. And I got to just imagine God's up there going, you don't know what I'm going to do sometimes. Oh, gosh, look, at that's what was going on in their life. It was like, why is God allowed Jerusalem to be destroyed? Why is God allowed the temple to be destroyed? Why Why are we taken? Why, it doesn't seem to be working out. It's so unpredictable and bad. And yet still, he, he trusts God. Uh, that's what I love. Because we're in a dark time. There's a lot going on that we can't predict. There's a lot of paganism seems to be succeeding. This is an opportunity. This is, this is the beginning of great miracles. Uh, you know what I mean? Again, where most people's faith end is where Daniel begins. And all the stories, and we, we know what's coming, right? We, kn- we know what's we coming. We have the whole book. He's yeah. going to interpret He's going to have the ability to interpret a dream that's going to save all the lives of the wise men. His, his buddies are going to be saved in literal fire. He's going to see the head of Babylon, the king Nebuchadnezzar, be dramatically converted to salvation. I mean, one of the most beautiful examples of that. He's going to, see, he's going to predict the fall of the of Babylon Empire on the night it falls, and it's going to be a disembodied hand writing that on a wall. Then he's going to be preserved from lions. All these miracles are going to happen right at the point when most people give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, God's ready to write a book about your life. If you'll just believe in the midst of the dark adversity, testing, difficult things. Yeah. And then there's a big chocolate bunny. Um, and then there's some silly songs with Larry. Um, and there's, no, I'm I'm kidding, of course, but you know, but it is like, it, Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, things like this especially, keep in mind what they were aware of because we have the whole story. And I always right. think about that with the disciples. Keep That's keep true. in mind what they were aware in of. In real time. Like at this moment, all Daniel knew was that Israel was now under Babylonian rule. Right. I've been taken captive. I'm three years into this. He doesn't even know yet how long this is going to be, which we see he gets. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to be to do, but what he does know is I think you're you're so right. With I love that statement of that Daniel's story begins where most of our faith stops. Right. You know he's going into this and he's in a dark time. It would have been really easy for him to just conform, and we see that play out where it's like it's like Daniel and these three buddies of his are the ones that are the only ones standing, and it's like well whoa out of who knows how many we don't know how many that they took into captivity, but it's got to be more than four. Yeah. You know. 
That's right. There's more than there, that are mentioned here. Yeah. Yeah. And so only these four were what appears to be the only ones that did not instantly, instantly defy the principles of God. Like as soon right. as they went into captivity, just about everybody else was like, well, oh, well, we're going to just live under Babylonian right. rule. So, you know, when in Rome, we do what the Romans do. And it's like they just kind of bailed on their entire history of faith. Not to mention all the people that had rebelled, which is why they were being judged in the first place. All those folks disobedient, the king of Israel, the you know, so many of the people in their country were not believing, were rebelling against God, which is why they were judged in the first place. So, that, yeah, that, but that didn't dissuade them. They were willing to stand and be in the minority. And then there's this amazing book, this, yeah. this incredible book. And so written. we have this really cool book that is like half story, half autobiography. And, and, and I know it right. sounds really silly, but half prophecy. Like he begins right. to point about the end times and, and things like that, that that begin to happen. Because, you know, I've always been told that in order to understand Revelation, you have to understand Isaiah and you have to understand Daniel. Yeah. So, so often we go and read I, Revelation and we're like, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. Well, because you got to understand some of the things that Daniel talks about and, right. and all those kinds of things. So it's just a very interesting story, and I love how it starts off. It starts in the muck. It starts right. in the mess where, oh, no, our whole country has been taken over by right. Babylon. And, and, you know, Babylon all through the Scriptures is a a just relative example of worldliness, of right. carnality. We have that today. Uh, and we do. Yeah. And so it's in the limelight. All the money's there. All the tension is there. Confidence is there. But Daniel will outlast all of these kings. You know, he's a young guy in this chapter. He'll be an old guy by the end, and there'll be different kingdoms, different kings. He's still going. He's yeah, like he just a, he, he's outliving the kings, he, which is amazing. He has staying power through all this supposed pagan strength and all that stuff that's wrong. It'll fade. Daniel's still going. He's there predicting. He's there standing strong, you know, right right to the end. He's And then we're still talking about him today. Yeah, and then to, to, to kind of reference our, our Sunday sermon series that has just recently ended, it's almost like Daniel was anchored right. in the storm right? in all of this. And so uh, as we get through this, it's going to be really exciting. But we told you we're, we're only going to be about 30 minutes, and we've kind of reached that point right now. Right. So we're going to come back uh, in our next session and, and talk a little bit more about Daniel chapter 1, and who knows if we'll jump right into to Daniel chapter 2. But we hope maybe you've learned something from this. Uh, reach out to us. M- my email, I'll slap it here at the bottom of the of the screen. It's sstem at fairfieldcc.org, um, and Dean's is dwoodward at fairfieldcc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, questions, thoughts, concerns, because we don't have it all figured out. We're walking through this together, and it's yeah. just a journey that we're on. So thanks for joining us for our first podcast. We hope it's an enjoyable time for you. Uh, we hope it was a half hour worthwhile, whether you're listening to this on audio or watching it on video uh, or when it's premiered live. So, Dean, this was fun. That half hour went by really, really quickly. It did. <laughs> so, guys, we will see you next time. Have a great day and uh, continue to be the message.